Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, you all ready for another hour of Penn State football talk? I am, and uh, the hours are ticking down. We're, what, second week in July now? Uh, football is only a couple weeks away. We're getting down I to know. it. I it, Isn't it great? Yeah, it, it is. This is this is the month of July where you just start to get excited because you know it's close. It's not that far away. So it's it's natural to get excited. Can't wait. We start hitting the milestones where... There's the media days for the Big Ten soon, then training camp. Before you know it, we'll be at Beaver Stadium watching West Virginia. All right, T. Frank, today we got a fun show. You've been writing a series of articles going over the Penn State position groups and making the comparison to last year's group and doing the better or worse. So a lot of fun with that. But before we get there, another week another Penn State commit. Let's get the quick scouting report on Malachi Williams, defensive end out of Philadelphia, the latest Penn State commit in the class of 24. Yeah, another another player in this class that I think underrated would have fit him pretty well, in, except the fact that on three made him the 79th overall player in the country and the number one player in Pennsylvania uh, in their latest update this week. So, um, not necessarily under the radar anymore, although his recruitment did kind of go under the radar with Penn State and Syracuse being the top teams, but, um, tons of potential. Just if I make a comparison, maybe to Garrett Sexton on the offensive side in this class, where he is what you want at the defensive end position, incredibly long, just extreme length in his reach, you know, super long arms, good frame, six foot three, um, a legit six, three, but obviously the issue is he's 210 pounds. That's a fixable thing, right? Like you, you know, Penn State's going to put weight on an athlete with a big frame. So that's that's kind of the, the one area in his game when you when you look at his film, it shows up from time to time. Um, there's a couple other things we can get into, but overall, he is a a really talented player, and maybe he's not the top 50 player that Penn State was hoping to get in Jamonta Waller but he is absolutely a guy that has a ton of potential at that defensive end spot. When you're getting a guy who's a t- rated at least in one service as a top 100 player, that's a good thing no matter how you cut it, T. Frank. But I think in addition, it it's good in that it carries on this tradition at defensive end. It's also a Philadelphia player. It's also mm-hmm. Dion Barnes, the new defensive line coach, who has his roots in Philadelphia. So all those things kind of merge into this is a great recruit, and it probably would have been bad if he ended up elsewhere other than Penn State. Yeah, there's a couple of guys in this class, in this recruiting cycle, where you could say that Jalen Harvey is another guy where it's kind of up in the air. He's been he's been a Penn State lean the entire time, and now that we're getting down to it, he cancels his commitment on July 4th and is now up in the air. So there's a couple of guys that have that sort of feel in this class. But Malachi Williams, Dion Barnes' first defensive end recruit as position coach. And I, I don't want to place too much emphasis on that because... 
a lot of it comes down to timing, right? So if, if somebody else had decided to commit in the spring or if Penn State had uh, been in a different situation with some other players, we might be having a different conversation. But there are a lot of storyline, narrative, making sense of all of these things. Of course, it'd be the Philly pass rusher uh, for Deion Barnes to be the first defensive end commit. But um, I think more than anything, he's a good football player. And uh, I, I really like what I see from him in terms of his mental approach to the game. Having watched uh, Dion Barnes coach a little bit, I think he is a really good uh, attention to detail sort of coach of, hey, your hand needs to be here. You didn't do this. And he can give pretty instant feedback when he's watching uh, players go through drills and things like that. And if you've got a guy that has raw potential, that's a good pairing of a guy that you know, as long as he does what he's supposed to do in the weight room, Malachi Williams is going to have good coaching to become the best version of himself on the football field from Deion Barnes. Uh, but he's coming in, I think, with a coachability factor. You see the way he plays on film and and he's smart. He uh, defends the edge well. He doesn't get caught up in a lot of, um, you know, offensive deception in terms of the run game. Now, the, the problem here in this evaluation, I'm talking to you based on my uh, view of his film and the majority of what I saw of him was against triple option teams, which is just the, the most fun in the world. Like, it is just so much fun watching those offense. Can you tell that I'm being sarcastic? I absolutely hate watching triple option teams. You even the even the run defense is a little bit different because you've got to, you know, be aware of the pitch and all of those things. It just it, it muddies a lot of these things. So a lot of his pass rushing stuff, we're, we're taking this from more of his highlight reel and a couple of opportunities. He uses his hands well. He uses his length well, but he's pretty raw in terms of having a plan on each play. The one area, this is the only thing that I'm like, that, that I'm really interested in. I'm going to follow along in his kind of profile is because he's a little undersized right now. There are times where he's passive as a run defender, where he is holding the point of attack and he's giving up a little bit of ground, trying to, look for the ball, look on either side of the, and and he just gets pushed two or three yards down the field. He's not being overwhelmed. It's kind of an intentional thing. As a run defender in, in Penn State's defense, you got to be aggressive. You have to have a decisive plan of what you're doing. Attack, 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 attack. If he's a passive run defender from some of these things, that's, that's a personality trait he's going to have to shed in his game. But other than that, I think he's got a great set of skills and um, shows the attention to what he's supposed to be doing in most situations that he seems coachable and he seems like a guy that's smart and wants to get better at football. And when you got all those ingredients, you have, you know, as on three says the ninth edge rusher in the nation. And I think this is an important thing too, that Penn state gets guys that have this profile because they've set a standard of talent at that position. And while Malachi Williams is a little bit more of a project than deny Dennis Sutton in terms of he's got to gain weight. He has those physical characteristics. They've had a couple guys that have this profile the last two years. One of these guys has to hit and become a major force at defensive end because you don't want to go backwards after you've attained this level of skill at a certain position. I think also, T. Frank, at least based on the way you're explaining it, the issues, that non-aggressive nature and somewhat with the running game, that's a very coachable item, very fixable, it would yeah. seem to me, along with... As we've learned at Penn State, if he's got the length, he's 6'3", they're able to put the weight on pretty easily. They do that very well. Yeah, so you, 
I look at certain players as positive projections or questionable projections. And the more ifs you have in your profile, the the more you go, okay, not everything's going to go perfectly, right? So if you're uh, a defensive end that doesn't bend well and you don't use your hands very well and you're undersized, now I'm going if, 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 if. With Malachi Williams, he he makes you feel better about some of those things because um, you feel pretty confident that there's been a lot of evidence that guys get bigger in Penn State's program when they apply themselves and they do the things that they're being asked to do. Um, but it is not 100%. Like, it is not an absolute that every guy gets as big as he possibly can in the Penn State weight program. We've seen this over the last year with our uh, obsession, uh, obsession with the defensive tackles where some guys didn't get as big as they could. So that is a variable, but you feel confident and positive in that variable. And that's where you look at some of these profiles. And athletically, when you have raw moldable clay that doesn't have any deficiencies, it's hard to be uh, negative about any of that stuff. You know, it's all about uh, the mental application at this point, And he shows positive sign of that. So, you know, when you have a guy that was a four star, lower four star, and now has a higher profile, there's a there is a consensus, I think, uh, at least at on three, that he is a guy that's going to figure it out and going to be really good. It is interesting how all of these things, by the way, they update periodically. So, like, um, if you're looking at the on three industry rankings, ESPN doesn't have him ranked. So that drags his overall ranking down. He might even have a higher profile in the overall rankings if, you know, all these recruiting services update at the same time, but they don't. So, um, you know, a guy that has a, a bit of a mixed review. But I think the majority of people who are paying attention see him as a very talented player with a lot of attainable upside. And you make a good point there about the different services upgrading or updating their uh, rankings at different times, T. Frank, because we've now seen with specifically with this Penn State class. And I know I'm going off topic here a little bit. There's been multiple players who went from not so highly rated been reevaluated. Give some credit to the Penn State coaching staff for finding these guys when they were ranked a thousand or something, and now they're a top one hundred <laughs> yeah. tight end, or even yeah. you know Grunkmeyer at quarterback. He's been totally reevaluated, and it looks very different uh, the recruiting class now than it did a couple months ago because of that change in ranking or update in the rankings. This has been one of my favorite classes in, in a couple of different ways because you get so excited about these diamonds in the rough. Like This is a whole class of underrated players that are now, I think, more accurately rated, at least by on three. One guy that I am still going to stump for is Peter Gonzalez. Um, you know, his, his numbers, his testing time, his playmaking ability, I, I think, is severely underrated because of the injury. I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do this fall because he's another guy that I think he's the lowest rated player in this class overall, but I think has as much talent as some of the guys that are near the top. Um, you know, I, I put together a list of like players that have special skills in this class, if not just strengths and, uh, and places they're good, but what transcends just normal. This is a profile strength to this is a unique ability. And there's a lot of guys in this class. You know, you just mentioned Ethan Grunkmeyer, Garrett Sexton. All these guys get major bumps in recruiting. Garrett Sexton uh, in the on three ranking uh, up to 44 overall. You know, he's getting close to that five star territory as an offensive tackle. Another guy that has unbelievable potential and ceiling. Malachi Williams is up there. Luke Reynolds, Ethan Grunkmeyer, Krupa Cousins, all these guys uh, went 
and and uh, in the last recruiting cycle for on three had a big jump. So this underrated recruiting class, which has a lot of players with ton of hidden potential, we'll call it, uh, is being discovered. And the evaluation is coming in in Penn State's favor. And that's it's it's been a really impressive cycle for for one that hasn't had the big names, one that hasn't had the five stars and high four stars as much as maybe the class of 2022. This is a really solid class. And I think you see that reflected in the update of uh, of how these players are evaluated on a national scale. And I think that's going to continue. There's more players here that I think have a bit of an under underrated ability about them. Okay, T. Frank, that is it for quarter number one. Starting in quarter number two, we are going to look at T. Frank's series of comparing the positional groups from the 22 season to the upcoming season 23. And T. Frank is going to tell us, are they better or worse than they were last season? Stay tuned and find out. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante. He is T. Frank Carr. And as promised, we're going to go into T. Frank's series. If you haven't read it, go to it. A lot of fun. He takes a look at each position group at Penn State and does the comparison between this year's unit and last year's and then comes to the conclusion, better or worse. T. Frank, I want to start on the defense. Let's start at the very back end. Let's go with cornerbacks. Now, this Mm -hmm. is an area that was really good in 22. You had Joey Porter very high draft pick. You have Kalen King, who we know how talented he is. Daquan Hardy in the slot. Johnny Dixon as a third cornerback was was excellent, I thought. That's going to be tough to beat. They were good last year, weren't they? They were, and that, I think, is the question is, do you think Johnny Dixon 
can play to a level that replaces Joey Porter Jr. Um, and we saw at the end of last year, he could. You know, it wasn't against the top two teams on the schedule, which is what some only some Penn State fans only care about like, two games a year. But you do have to be competent in every other game in order to be good. And not only was that the case, you know, that he was good at the end of the season replacing Joey Porter Jr., so we saw a like-for-like like comparison for this fall. But he also, through training camp, pushed Kalen King, who's the best cornerback of the three we're going to be talking about, and was a co-starter the entire year. So he, I think, has earned the respect that we're going to say that he is going to have a good year this year and is an NFL talent. as a guy that has the athletic potential to be a cornerback at the next level. When you look at that, and you look at, you know, they're only losing Joey Porter Jr. and Marquise Wilson. Like They do have some depth issues, which we can get into in a little bit. But the high, I guess the high level takeaway is um, at just that one position. I think even though Joey Porter Jr. has some exceptional skills, Kalen, uh, Kalen King and Johnny Dixon can be good or as good as they were last year, given that King also is going to take a step forward in our expectations to become an all American. You know, that's, that's kind of the, the bar for him this year is to be the best corner that we've seen at Penn state under James Franklin. Having that lead guy like Kalen King versus Joey Porter jr. Last season is great to have that lead guy. The second guy, though, may be the guy picked on if you just have all this talent on one side and not so much the other. i got to be honest, a couple years ago when they brought Johnny Dixon in through the transfer portal, that to me was the ho-hum transaction. That was the one that hmm. it, didn't, it didn't feel at the time like it moved the needle. I was very wrong, T. Frank, wasn't <laughs> I? Well, that's, that's where uh, I respect the humility to say I was wrong about something, you know, I've never had that experience personally, but I understand, you know, like I can, I can empathize. <laughs> I've never been wrong about anything ever for sure. Um, Which yeah. reminds so me of he, the old, I, I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. Correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Dixon, I guess what always has stood out to me for him is his athleticism. He is, he's a really great athlete. He's got explosive movement skills. He's got really quick feet. I think the thing that Penn State fans are grumpy about with him is that he tends to, to hold a little bit. And to me, that's more of a technique thing. He's a little overly aggressive at times. Um, and here's the other secret that I want to tell you, Jim. All college corners are grabby. All of them. They all grab. They all pull. Everyone is committing pass interference in college football. So his is just a slightly more uh, severe version of what happens everywhere else. Uh, but yeah, you know, Johnny Dixon coming into the program was a long-term play, kind of like a Davian Collins. The, they have this offseason with the, the corner from Mississippi State. Identify a guy that you think has great athleticism that fits the program well and develop him because finding corners, just like we talked about defensive ends with Malachi Williams in, in the previous segment, they have reached a level of uh, elite at these positions that make this year that we're coming into so exciting because they have reached a, a certain threshold, a certain peak of performance, uh, oh, especially over the last two years. You want to include last year as well because they were very good. You want to make sure you maintain that. And they've got some really talented players that are young, but, um, you know, providing fresh resources and, and you know, the foresight to get a Johnny Dixon so you where you are where you are now is why Penn State's coaching staff, when it comes to identifying talent, is one of the best in the country. 
and the fact that he's a little bit handsy, uh, T. Frank, were we saying the same thing about Joey Porter Jr. two seasons ago also in 21? Boy, he's awful handsy. Uh, The other guy I wanted to talk to you about is, uh, and you mentioned him, Daquan Hardy. Two years ago, I was very high on him. He didn't seem to make a mistake. Wonderful slot cornerback. He wasn't the same in 22, though, was he? So this is an interesting situation with Manny Diaz's defense and personality fits. So if I'm, I'm just going to generalize here. I'm just going to some broad strokes that aren't entirely accurate, but I think paint a fair picture of the difference, differences between Brent Pry and uh, Manny Diaz. There's more help on the interior of the defense with Brent Pry. A lot more spot zone dropping, which is you're you're dropping into an exact zone where you're you're aiming for a landmark. You're not doing as much uh, augmenting of zones. You are supposed to be in this area. You guard this area. When you do that, you provide help for players in the middle of the defense. So Daquan Hardy, I think, played with more confidence in Brent Pry's defense because he felt like he had more help. the The thing that I noticed immediately with the his issues early in the season is he's playing in the slot and he's got great athleticism. This is where he should shine is that when those linebackers blitz, you know, whether it's in a man situation or it's a called blitz that removes players from coverage. So if he's on the interior, the slot receiver has what's called a two way go. He can break either way in his route. So Dixon has to be, I'm sorry, uh, Hardy has to be aware of that. And he was, setting so far to the inside and giving up the outside so so much that teams were just throwing you know 20 yard out routes on him and and he was overly protective of the interior instead of playing a little more even which you want to be you want to be protecting the interior to to be clear you want to be doing that but it was so extreme that he was giving the outside so that lack of confidence i think is what it came down to is he was not playing with the confidence that i can guard this guy Fast forward to later in the year, they uh, augment some things, maybe give him a little more support on the interior. He plays better, um, but he still is going to be in man coverage in that slot position. And what we saw from him in the spring, he was much more comfortable. He was much, he's back to that Daquan Hardy that was confident and was making plays and interceptions and breaking up passes uh, in 2021. So a year more of comfort in the defense, a year more of belief in himself that, you know, this is, he gets it. He's more in tune with it. I'm expecting a step forward from him, which gives them more interior players because Johnny Dixon, I think, is still going to see time in the slot as well as one of those third down option rushers, which we saw him do last year. So they have more options, more availability of talent in the slot and a pure cover player in Daquan Hardy. Okay, T. Frank. So let's say we're comfortable with the starting two cornerbacks with Kalen King, Johnny Dixon. We feel better about Daquan Hardy in the slot. How about the depth coming for this year? A year ago, we had Johnny Dixon as a number three. Who's going to be the number three this year, let alone the number four? Yeah, so Cam Miller is the clear number three because uh, Storm Duck transferred (laughs) because he played so well this spring. Um, And that's, you know, partly of storm and and his view of what he wanted from his final year. I imagine, you know, transferring to Louisville wants to get to the NFL. If you're the third or fourth corner at Penn state, is that going to get you there? I I don't know. Um, So that, that he was good enough. Cam Miller was good enough that he forced that issue. And he has been, you know, 
a guy they identified early on when he uh, enrolled at Penn State as somebody who could play early. You know, he burned his red shirt last year, playing a lot on special teams. He's a guy that's on pace to be the next guy. He's super interesting because he's a great athlete. He is an amazing athlete in terms of his overall athletic profile. Very few holes, uh, fast, agile, athletic. But he's like 170 pounds or 180 pounds. Like he's just, he looks unassuming as a player. Um, so I'm just fascinated to see what his game is like. You know, is he physical for his size? Is he one of those sticky mirror match guys that you just can't get rid of, but you know, he's not the physical dominant guy or is he all of it? Like, I don't know. I don't know generally what his raw athletic profile has molded into because we haven't seen a ton of him outside of like garbage time against Indiana last year. Um, but he is the number three. He's going to play this year. He's going to rotate in behind the starting two on the outside. And then it's a big old question mark. It's a, it's a, it's a box that's under the Christmas tree. We don't know what it is because the lot of, a lot of really young players, we mentioned Odevian Collins. Um, that would be very hard for a transfer to come in midsummer, make an impact. He is a year older than some of the other guys, but, um, presumably the next two up would be Elliot Washington, true freshman and, uh, Lamont Payne, a true freshman. <laughs> so that's, that's going to be an area of fascination. If they're going to be able to get to a fourth corner and if they will, and or do they want to preserve red shirts for those guys? Because that's going to be another discussion about who uh, plays is, are they ready? Do they want to burn that red shirt? Or, you know, what's the plan there? Knowing that Daquan Hardy can also play outside. He's not just a slot corner. And I think he'd be clamoring for more playing time in that situation where he gets to play a little more on the outside. So he's not just basically a third down and obvious passing situation uh, player, which is, is a pretty limited role for a guy um, overall in the defense. But it does feel like that was is the role he was born to play, though, T. Frank. You, you mentioned Elliott Washington and Lamont Payne. I don't want to use the word easy, but at mm -hmm. cornerback, we've seen true freshmen on the field there previously, more so than other positions. Between Elliott Washington, Lamont Payne, is one or the other, you think, more college-ready? So it's interesting. Elliott Washington is athletically super impressive. Um, runs in the four threes, I believe. 5'11", he came in at 200 pounds. He's down to 192 on the roster. So he, you look at him, he looks like a safety, but he runs like a corner. So like he is a very stocky, physical football player. I think special teams is going to be an area where he could shine this fall if if they use him there. So I would expect him reasonably January enrollee. He might burn his red shirt. That's the guy I would expect. But then Lamont Payne is an excellent corner. Like he was overlooked in the class of 2023 because, you know, he's, he was early to commit. He was a three star, um, but he's got a lot of positional instincts. He flashed some really good things in the blue white game. I think he did pretty well in spring practice, mentally mature, physically mature again at 197 pounds, six feet tall, good frame, but isn't as fast. So does he uh, move to safety long-term? Does he get a chance to play this year? I don't know, but he's also, they're, they're a bit of a yin and a yang in that sense of one guy's good at one thing. One guy's good at the other. That is it for quarter number two. Stick around quarter three. It's ask T Frank. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 tailgate club here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hockensmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's T. Frank. I'm Jim. It is quarter number three. You know what that means. It's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions for T. Frank. He'll give you a great answer, I guarantee it. And at the end of the segment, he will pick out the best question. And whoever sent us that question, they'll win the prize pack from the 409 Tailgate Club, including those fantastic coffee barbecue rubs. And if you want to send a question to T. Frank, all you got to do, download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button. Send in your questions. All right, T. Frank, you ready to roll? Let's do it. Okay, let's start with Josh in Morgantown. Well, West Virginia guy sending us questions here, uh, T. Frank. He says, if you were a quarterback coach, would you prefer a pocket passer with limited mobility but better arm talent or a scrambling quarterback with less arm talent but is more athletically gifted? And why? I I am a man in my life that does not like to choose. So I would I would go... I would go uh, totally away from this question and say that I don't want to choose. Um, but I would also, you know, okay, we're, we're making decisions here. So we have to make the choice. I, again, I would try to find an athletic quarterback that had a good game uh, mind for the game. And I would, you know, try to recruit that guy. But generally, I would say the quarterback has to be a quarterback first. So if you're telling me the scrambling quarterback is not patient in the pocket, he is antsy, and I was, I, I've, said, I've thought this for a long time. Like, what is your first instinct? What is what you, What are you trying to accomplish? What do you trust? And if you're telling me that he trusts his legs more than his arm, then he's not a quarterback to me. Like, he can play quarterback, but he's not, in a pure sense of the word, a quarterback. Because a quarterback tries to solve the problem with his mind. He tries to solve the problem with his arm. Um, and then scrambling and moving and running when necessary. Those are parts of the equation to solve the problem that is the defense. 
But if you've got a if you got a quarterback whose first instinct, uh, a la Bo Nix, to just bail from the pocket and use that athleticism as a crutch, I don't want that quarterback because he is not going to develop the patience necessary because he's got that out. It's or at least it's very hard for guys like that who have that crutch, that talent to to really master the game and be patient with, okay, I've got to read where the safeties are. I've got to read the leverage of the corners to know what I'm anticipating. I've got to read the topography of the defense. I've got to do the film study, anticipate what's coming so that I can solve this issue instead of um, I think I know what's coming. Oh, wait, that's not what I thought it was. Now I'm going to run. And I, you know, that's, this is one of the things I'm most passionate about. It's like a quarterback has to be a quarterback and the athleticism is great. We have modernized, um, uh, you know, and electrified the quarterback position, but they've got to be quarterbacks first. And that's why when you see guys that have those tools, traits and they work out, those are more so exceptions to the rule rather than, um, you know, what you should expect to happen. And I think this ties in pretty great with what Mike Yersich has done because the one common thread from all these guys, whether they're Jackson Smolik or Drew Aller or Ethan Grunkmeyer, they all have a really good mind for the game. They are quarterbacks first, and they have varying skills outside of that. T. Frank, it's hard to argue with your logic. However, I'll do it anyway. There's such a gray area in between, okay? You're mm-hmm. not going to have a quarterback who only runs unless you go to West Point or Annapolis, okay? where that's what the the quarterback is really just a running back. But I like the idea, especially in college, of having a mobile quarterback, a guy who can run the ball just because he's oftentimes unaccounted for, and it's those broken plays uh, when it's third and long even, you drop back to pass and everything falls apart having that escapability and be able to get you a first down with with your legs, I think, especially in the college game, is really important. Okay, let's go on to our buddy Jimmy in Forest City who says, T. Frank, are we one injury away from a major problem in any of our position groups? Yeah, that's how football works. You know, if Olufashanu goes down again this year, the offensive line is worse. Uh, you know, it won't take a step forward necessarily because you you might have uh, less flexibility. You might have less overall, like, high-impact plays from that individual. If Kalen King is injured, if Abdul Carter is injured, um, no roster is bulletproof. You know, like, you're not going to replace an All-American with another All-American. This is not... It's not NCAA 14. This is not Madden where you can st- stockpile draft picks and just put in an all pro after one goes down. Critical players are, are critical players for a reason. What this what this team does have overall, though, is resiliency because they do have, a, you know, maybe less of a drop off between a Kalen King and a Johnny Dixon. Um, and maybe that's a bad situation because we just talked about how thin that, that cornerback position is. That might be one area where they do have one away from a real problem, but let's take safety. You know, we'll talk about them in just a little bit. You get, you get an injury there. You got three guys and some young freshmen that you feel really confident about their overall trajectory. I'm not saying you, you want to play any of those true freshmen, but you have talent at the position. Like there's, there's an obvious stockpile of talent so you can weather some things, but I don't think you could say like they're, you know, they're one injury away uh, or, or they can absorb any injury that that comes their way. So, yeah, I think every team has that reality. Well, you never want to lose the superstar, whether it's your linebacker with Abdul Carter or Fashnu on the offensive line. 
But the one place, because the position is also so important, at quarterback, you don't know yet what Drew Aller is, but you know even less about the guy behind him. So that seems like a would be a vulnerable position. Let's go to Steve in Potomac, Maryland, who says, seems like the defensive tackle and middle linebacker position are points of vulnerability on the defense. Here we go. That will be tested by Illinois, Iowa, and Michigan. I can tell Uh just by your facial expression. Uh, I'm I'm trying my best to keep my eyes from rolling, but yes, you know. Sorry. How would Steve Steve is asking a valid question? How would you address this if you were Manny Diaz? Play your defense. Um, I, I think because Penn State fans are so insular to looking at their team and their deficiencies, these things become extreme reliefs of each other. Like the defensive tackle need is such a problem because it is not linebacker. It's not Abdul Carter middle linebacker is such a problem because it's not these other places and Penn State's talent has risen to a level that it's that it is. It's good. Um, I don't think these are massive problems. I think these are relative problems and Illinois is going to test everybody on the ground, not just Penn State. And maybe Penn State is more susceptible than other teams um, in, in the Big Ten to being run on. But Penn State also is more susceptible to scoring points than some other teams that might have a better run defense, you know, just in team building philosophy. I, I don't I think that the developments this offseason with the defensive tackle position, Hakeem Beeman being bigger and stronger this uh, this offseason is a huge win for Penn State. It won't solve all of the problems, but that's the let's look at this in reverse. One thing Penn State could not do to Illinois or Michigan was force them to throw the football. 2021, when they played Illinois, anytime Illinois tried to throw the football, they turned the ball over. It was just that Penn State couldn't get them consistently into positions where they would have to throw the football. And by the way, they didn't score a lot of points in regulation. Penn State's not scoring points was the problem. Let's look at Michigan last year. They couldn't force Michigan into obvious passing situations to give Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac and the defensive ends a chance to rush over the right tackle who was not an elite pass protector. Michigan controlled the narrative of the game because they got those explosive runs and because they were to keep things on schedule. But that is not a gulf as large as we think it is. It is a it is a gap that Penn State can overcome and one that I think they have worked on this offseason. So, yeah, they are going to be challenged in certain games and in certain situations by teams that can get a little extra push. But the defensive line is good. And the linebackers are very good, and you've got a lot of flexibility. So if you don't want to put a guy in a situation to fail, put in another linebacker. They can do that now. So I, I think that the problems are like there's a reason we're talking about them. They are issues, but they are not to the level of um, sinking the ship. Like Penn State not scoring points is going to be the problem if they don't if they lose some of these games that are close with defensive minded teams. It feels like this defense is good enough, T. Frank to be one of the best in the country. So it's like, it, it's not so much that maybe the run defense is a weakness, but it's all relative. They're so strong everywhere yep. else. If I'm an offense playing against this Penn State defense, I never want to be in a third and long situation where I have to pass. I, I, I don't want to do that. So if that means, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust to try to just keep churning out first downs and not put myself in third and long. 
that's, that's the way I'm going to play it. Let's go to David in Lancaster who says, you've talked before about how some of the slow starts for the offense is the game plan and figuring out what the opposing defense is doing. However, it feels like against run-heavy teams like Michigan, you need to start fast, score early, and force Michigan to throw the ball. Should Penn State be more aggressive early against the run-heavy teams? I'm going to amend the question a little bit. I think it's more about I don't want to start slow against any good team, T. Frank, whether they're Mm -hmm. just a running team or they're more versatile on offense. But it does seem to be this situation where Penn State's offense often starts slow. Yeah, and that was just a conversation I had with James Franklin asking the question about, like, okay, how do you know what to attack? You know, how do you know what plays to use based on what you brought into the game to start? So you don't want to use all your ammunition first and allow them to figure out your plan of attack in the first quarter. Uh, But you also, as you point out, I think David makes a great point. You don't want to start out slow against teams that don't have the same ability to score points as you do. And that's exactly what we just talked about when we were talking about defensive tackle and middle linebacker issues is you want to put your team in position to succeed. This team is in no better position than when they can be on the attack. Um, the I, I don't know that you want to change anything. This is always a thing is that like the, the answer is just better execution. The answer is convert a third down. You know, when you've got the opportunity and you catch the ball and you need to square your shoulders and get six inches to get a first down. Do that. Extend the drive. Like I'm thinking specifically of the Michigan game, but in general, um, these these things are 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 not um, radical changes. I don't think you can make some tweaks. Maybe you want to add in some more explosive plays, but even then, you don't want to expose yourself to being too aggressive early and then making mistakes and putting yourself behind. So there is a there's a delicate balancing act of of revealing what the plan of attack is from the other team while also trying to be effective in that early frame. And it is interesting that it just it's a del- it's a delicate balance between the two. And there was more than one time early in a game where the receiver did not turn up field, as you mentioned in the Michigan game. That is it for Ask T. Frank. Stick around. We'll name a winner at the start of quarter number four. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. 
We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. He is T. Frank. I'm Jim. We're talking Penn State football. But before we get to our fourth quarter topic, T. Frank, we need a winner for Ask T. Frank. Who is it? Yeah, we're going with, we're going with Josh in Morgantown because he asked a, a good question about prioritization of, of skills at the quarterback position and one that I think Penn State has undergone kind of a transition under Mike Yersich with of they were going after guys that had kind of an upside as a scrambler or a runner that they thought had good arm talent. They could coach into being a quarterback and now trying to find guys that are quarterbacks first, and then we'll figure out what other other skill sets are outside of that. So it's a, it's a relevant topic and it's a great one. It's also one that having watched bad quarterback play for all of my formative years, I've spent decades of my life thinking about in terms of quarterbacks. So uh, near and dear to my heart and a good question. And it relates to Penn state uh, pretty, pretty clear winner here. Congratulations, Josh. We'll be getting in touch with you. All right, T. Frank, it's time to get back to our series on better or worse. You took position groups, compared them to that same position group a year ago, and tried to decide better or worse. We talked cornerbacks last uh, uh, quarter two, and you concluded that you thought the cornerback room would actually be better this coming year than it was last year despite losing Joey Porter Jr. Now, when we talk safeties, we've got a similar discussion of having a star who has moved on, and that in the safety room is Jair Brown, who did so much for this team, but he's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, spoiler alert, most of the conclusions are that Penn State is better this year than they were last year for for all these positions. And that's because we're in this really binary, yes or no, better or worse, which is fun fun to have the conversation of, but what degree better? Like, the corners, they're not going to be vastly better than last year. They're going to be appreciably similar, but, you know, slightly better a year older, with et cetera, et cetera. This is one area where I had a really hard time. Because Tig Brown was so important to the defense, and he was such an impact player. His blitzing was some of the best in the country last year, in the first year that he did it. Um, So his impact from blitzing to interceptions is outsized. You don't have, you don't find guys with instincts like that that just grow on trees. Um, He wasn't a complete player. I wouldn't say that he was the best at everything he did. Some of his underneath coverage, some of his tackling in the open field, he got better. He was never a huge problem, but he wasn't like a standout run defender. He he was quality, Um, but it's the, the instincts are hard to replace. 10 interceptions in two years is the best mark under James Franklin. The only person who came close is Amani Oruarie with eight, and that was over three seasons as a player. So you don't get to just say, They'll be better, and they can replicate that production. It can be different, but it, I, I have a hard time seeing that, you know, not knowing the, the profile of some of these players, that they're going to get their hands on as many footballs as Tig Brown did last year, or that they're going to replicate his, uh, his ability to get to the quarterback in Manny Diaz's pressure packages. So that's really setting up the baseline of the bar here is so high And it's a unique ability that we're going to really have to work through the four players to find how they're going to replace him before I'm convinced that they will be better than they were last year. 
But remember, after the 21 season, we asked the question, how could they be as good without Jaquan Brisker here? Sure, now, sure. But Tig Brown also got six interceptions. It's, uh, Tig Brown got six interceptions that year, too. So, like, he was a part of, like, we, we saw what he was able to do at that field safety, that free safety position, and we saw the, his ability to kind of mix and match with Brisker. So, that last year, he was everywhere. He like they he was making up for some deficiencies of teammates. They were putting him in a lot of different positions, and I think everyone performed well uh, in the, in the secondary. But nobody was a standout the way that Tig was with Brisker to say, okay, that's the next guy up. And now we're we're talking more about fit than we are about production. Um, there are some very productive players here. We'll we'll get into, but um, I just. Brisker didn't have the same ball skills as much as I loved Brisker and his, his burst and his ability to identify coverages, play and underneath coverages and attack. Like he was a great attack player, kind of like Joey Porter jr. He didn't have the, the big thing was he didn't have a lot of interceptions. You just don't replace 10 picks in two years. That's just not something that just easily happens. That's to me, those impact plays they're outsized in, in Brown's uh, hole that he leaves on the roster. All right, then. We did, you're right, last year with Brisker gone, we said, okay, the heir apparent to the lead guy in the safety room is Tig Brown. So now what do you have this year? You have four guys who you think are all very good, if not the ultra-superior guy like we went from Brisker to Brown. So how do you put those pieces together, T. Frank? I don't know. That's the, that <laughs> this is the big wild card. I don't know because so last year, uh, what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, you can make this segment really short. If your answer to that question is, I don't know. And that's <laughs> it. T-Frank. Yeah. Well, well, we can work through the problem. We can work through the problem together. We can use the evidence of what we've seen and try to draw some conclusions. The problem is like, I drew some conclusions from the blue white game last year that were incorrect, that, that Manny Diaz was going to have a very hard differentiation between field and boundary safety. Tig was going to play the boundary and uh, Keaton Ellis was going to play the field and it was going to flow from there. And then what happened was they get into the season, they get into training camp and they see that they want to play Tig everywhere because he was a great free safety. So they want to still have those skills within the defense and the matchups of who he's playing with dictated a lot of where he played at times. So this year, the leader, the veteran, the guy who is stepping into that role would be Keaton Ellis. Do you think Keaton Ellis is a playmaker on the level of Tig Brown that he is going to be in that position of we're going to give him the option to play that boundary safety, which just in general puts you closer to the football? You're over top of the box. You can still play deep free safety coverage, but you also are in run defense. You can uh, have some select matchups as a, as a man coverage defender. There's just more you can do in terms of down-to-down -down impact as opposed to uh, playing in the field where sometimes you're in man coverage, but a lot of times you're in a, in a deep third. So is Keaton Ellis that guy? That's my main question. Is, he's, is he going to assume that role or has the talent and the, the mix of talent progressed to the point that he's going to stay where he does, where, where he was the last year, generally on that field side? And are they going to put Jalen Reed and uh, KG Winston in the boundary or we know a little bit more about what Jalen Reed is struggled at times in coverage last year, better in underneath coverage. So um, I think we can be pretty confident. He's going to majority of the time play on that boundary side, but what about KJ Winston? Does he have the, the coverage chops? Cause we know he's a, he's going to be an excellent run defender. Does he have the coverage chops to play in deep coverage? And that's an area we need to see a little bit more of to know 
what's the mix going to be this fall? Well, are you confident, though, where that Manny Diaz is capable of taking the pieces and putting them in a position to succeed? Where you mentioned, you know, he had Tig Brown who can do several different things. So play to play, who he's going to have on the field with him, determined where you put them. That sounds to me like you had Manny Diaz smart enough to know how to use his pieces. Well, this year he's got different pieces. So yeah. I I think I'm confident in Manny Diaz to do to maximize the skill sets of the players he sure. does have. Yeah, so that's I think that that's that's the point about, you know, kind of what I'm saying here is that I I don't know as intimately as Manny Diaz what all the strengths and weaknesses of his pieces are. Uh he has more evidence and more more practice time and more time thinking about how he's going to use the key Wheatley, how he's going to use KJ Winston, what their overall evaluations are. If it were me, like just getting down to it, if it were me, it would be uh, Jalen Reed and KJ Winston more in the boundary primarily, and then Keaton Ellis and Ski Wheatley in the field. But one of the best things you can do is make it so that the, the defense has no idea what's about to happen. Or sorry, the offense has no idea what's going to happen. So those guys being interchangeable gives you less cues. And that's what, what Tig Brown did last year for Penn State. Do they have a guy that does that? I don't see a guy that's readily available that has those skills that we have concrete evidence about. And that's really the question here is the talent in this particular group, the high end skills are Winston and Wheatley, where they have, I think, appreciable step up in, in abilities. But the veterans are also good. You know, Keaton Ellis has been a, a four-year player, five, you know, five-year player, four-year part of the defense. You don't want to just brush him aside. This is his year to take that step. So I'm leaving the door open for him to have that particular type of role on the defense instead of just drawing a line down the middle and saying, this is how it's split. These are how they're going to be used. Because third down, obviously, the, the best pass rusher, the best talent is going to be in that position um, to make plays uh, in the Prowler package as a third safety, however they want to run that particular unit this year. So there are opportunities for these guys to make plays, and they do have the aggregate talent to be better than last year. The question is just, again, those high-end impact plays made a huge difference for the defense. And if somebody can't replicate those, if K.J. Winston or Jalen Reed aren't somebody that can get to the quarterback the same way, which very few safeties, by the way, have that particular skill. That is not a common thing to have. So can they develop that at, at the Penn State at the safety position or just in general on the defense with all these pass rushers? And then does Zaki Wheatley take that step where he flashed the ability to get to the football? Does he become that center fielder that anticipates and gets a bunch of interceptions? Getting the football for the offense, turning the ball over is a huge thing. The pressure is going to put onus on the secondary to make plays. So the opportunities are going to be there. I just don't have any evidence to back up. Okay. This guy is going to be X, Y, or Z for this group because it's just a rare skill. They're trying to replace. They do have the abilities like KJ Winston is going to be an, an excellent run defender. He's going to have a role in the defense fourth linebacker against Michigan. So going back to Steve's question, drop KJ Winston in the box and you're going to have a better time than, than you did last year. What is the, how do all of those skills and how do all those plays in a ripple effect, if we're looking at better or worse than last year, it's hard to do better than Tig Brown. So that's really the sticking point of the question. 
Um, I think overall they can be as good and maybe better, but I just don't, I can't say absolutely they're going to be better next year because they lost something that is, is rare. You still have to give us a conclusion, T. Frank. You can't go wishy-washy that they might be better. Give me the verdict. Better or worse this year? I will say, this the funny thing is I started out this offseason super high on the safeties, given the depth of talent. The more I've thought about it, and, and maybe I am making too much of Jair Brown, but James Franklin spent a long time praising Tig this offseason of what he was able to do for the defense, and when you look into what he did, really was wide and impactful. So I'm going to say they're going to be slightly worse than last year in terms of raw production. I don't think they'll reach the same interception numbers from uh, and sack totals and tackles for loss, like the, the aggregate of losing Tig Brown over the last two years. I don't think they're going to get to that, but I don't think they're going to be bad. Like this is not saying this is going to be a bad unit. I think it's still going to be a very good unit, but they're just not going to be as good as they were with Tig. Very good, T. Frank. It was a fun show. Thank you all for joining us. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.